Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Well, we are going to finish chapter 2 in Romans. So, if you would turn there. Or that you would get on your phones and go there, because I know that's why you guys are on your phones here. It's chapter 2, and if you'd stand for the reading of the Word of God. And we're starting at verse 25. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law, but if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are transgressor of the law. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward of the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart and the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Let's pray. Lord, we just lift this time up to you as we desire to be men and women of circumcised hearts, We pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand the depths, the truth, the power, Lord, that each one of us is truly equipped with. Bless this time, Lord, I pray. Give us hearts to hear and to receive what your Spirit would teach each of us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, circumcision is the cutting of the flesh. It wasn't just a solely Jewish custom or rite. Many nations used it, even the Egyptians. So what made it unique? What made it unique was, if you will, in the beginning, who it was given to. In Genesis, you don't have to turn there, I'll read there quickly. In chapter 17, God, speaking to Abraham, says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan and the everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. It was a sign. It was a distinguished mark of the covenant.
promises that God made with Abraham and Abraham's descendants. They belong to God. God also spoke to Moses and he wrote it in the, read it in the law. You should be circumcised on the eighth day. So it was part of the law also. But now, if you notice again, going over verse 25, the question again is, for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. If you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So how much of the law are they to keep? Well, Ephesians or Galatians tells us how much. And on the, excuse me, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. To keep the whole law. Well, they couldn't keep the whole law. In fact, Stephen, before he gets stoned, says this, You have received the law by the direction of angels and you have not kept it. They were not keepers of the law. They were breakers of the law. Therefore, they were uncircumcised. Now look at verse 26. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirement of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? If an uncircumcised keeps the law, He'll be counted as circumcised, but were they able to keep the law? No. No, nobody was able to keep the law. Verse 27. And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are transgressors of the law? See, if they were to be morally right, if they were morally right before God, then they would, if you will, judge the Jew. Or, if you will, to pronounce an opinion concerning right and wrong. Despite the fact that Jew had the written law and circumcision, there's a higher moral ground. And those that keep the moral law would have the higher ground. Again, take this and understand, is anybody able to keep the law? No. Again, this is hypothetical. But it, what it does is it drives down the point of something. We pick it up again, verse 28. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is one Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter. Those praise is not from men, but from God. A true Jew is not marked by outward circumcision cutting away of the flesh of the foreskin, but he is inwardly circumcised, a cutting away of the flesh from the heart. In fact, Stephen will go on to say this too, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. And Jeremiah 4.4, Jeremiah writes it this way. It says, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your hearts. You men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burns so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. So again, what it was, the circumcision was a point assigned to something that God was doing something different. He was making a covenant people. 
dealt with promises, but also a law. Where the circumcision, what it did was it pointed to a sign of a promise keeper, if you will, of the law. An agreement with God. But even so, Abraham came before the law. See, he was justified by faith. Not by keeping of the law. The law, if you will, as Paul goes on to say, was a mirror to, again, to reveal to us that we were not keepers of the law. That, if you will, as... (laughs) As Stephen so eloquently put it, you stiff-necked people. Hard-hearted. But good news. See, again, God in His wisdom, He understands all these things. And if you will, God always puts clauses in there. Truth to be, again, in future fulfillment. See, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, it says this. Listen, and if you don't have this memorized or marked in your Bible, do so. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Now to really bring this into home, uh, Paul, if you will, goes on to say in Colossians, In Christ you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In Philippians he goes on to say, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. There's nobody to come before God in His flesh, and be glorified. Nobody. Now, again, remember, he says, this is a very interesting play on words, if you will, in verse 29. But he is a Jew. Remember what Jew is? It's Judah. It means he shall be praised. But again, if you notice, at the end of that, he says, not in a letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. You're not going to be praised, he's saying, by, by being a Jew. That's not what you're praised at. You're praised at the fact that God is the one that will give you praise. Not you. It's not your work. It's not in the circumcision, as the Jew thought. See, the Jew thought that if many rabbis believed that if you were circumcised, as a Jew, then you got a free pass into heaven. It's like Abraham is at the gates. And if you're circumcised, you're in heaven. It doesn't matter how you lived your life, you're, you're a chosen Jew. Well, that's not correct. Because, again, we've all sinned and fall short to the glory of God. But it speaks to us in the church because, see, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about being circumcised. It's not about being baptized. It's not about being affiliated with a church or denomination. It's not how many times you read your Bible. It's not how many times you pray. It's not anything about you or me. See, God did it through Christ. You were circumcised apart. That you and I now have the capability to receive God's love, but not only to receive it, to give it back. 
Those are powerful words. These are things to take notice of. In fact, take notice in the Spirit. Some interpret this as the Holy Spirit doing His work, and it's probably more than likely it. But there's others that say, no, this is about being in the Spirit of the law, which again goes back to the Holy Spirit working in each of our lives. In Galatians chapter 5, excuse me, Galatians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. Notice that. Only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Then later on in verse 13 he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You and I have been circumcised in the heart. You and I have a heritage. Today's a birthday. Let me be the first to say it to you. Happy birthday. And I know what you're saying. Wait a minute. Where's my gift? I'm not the one that gave the gift. But it is your birthday. There is a gift given. But it's your birthday. Well, not just you, us. Well, not just us. Also the church down the road that calls upon Christ as their Lord and Savior. In fact, the churches throughout the city, the nation, the world. See, if you knew this, then you would be going around saying, Happy Pentecostal Day. See, the church was born over 2,000 years ago. Around today. Let's read just a little bit about that in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord, not in a Honda, in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What does this speak of? It speaks of the Spirit coming upon the church and birth of the church. How is it? Now there's a big discrepancy, and I'm not going to go into this theological debate today, okay? But, again, what happened was, is the Spirit baptized them into the body of Christ. They became alive. They were circumcised. They now have the capability and the capacity to receive God's love, but also to give it. And what happened was, is because of the Spirit stirring in their hearts, with great anticipation they waited. They didn't know what was going to happen. All of a sudden they were speaking in tongues, praising God. And ever since then, the church knocks at the knees 
whenever we speak of this day. But it's your heritage and it's mine. God never changes. Now, please understand, I'm not really concerned about people speaking in tongues. I mean, that's a wonderful manifestation of God's Spirit, but it's not the manifestation that we need more than anything. Not at all. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, if you will, you can flip that way because we're going to look at a couple passages there. But Ephesians chapter 4. Tell you what, start at verse, let's go 22. We'll kind of briefly go over this. You putting off concerning your former conduct, the old man that grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, as if you will, as you were circumcised and that part was cut off, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let one speak truth. Verse 26. Be angry, don't sin. Look at verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. Verse 28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands. Look at verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve, cause grief, make sad or sorrowful. By whom you were sealed. That word means to set a seal upon. To mark with a seal. To seal for security from Satan. To mark by pressing into or upon stamping or sealing for the purpose of identification, proof of ownership, authentication of individual that you have now been marked circumcised by God, that you now have His name written on your heart, that God's living Spirit lives in each of us, and God says to everything else in this world, including the demons that cause havoc and fear upon so many lives, He declares, no touchy. He's mine. See why this is important? Because so many of us live in fear. So many of us live in failure. God has declared, you are mine. Chosen for the foundation of the world. Uh, Not because of our goodness. Oh, listen, because of His goodness. His grace. He is so wonderful. Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy, he says, Nevertheless, 
solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Why? Here, truth of God's Word. Not only that you belong to God, that you are His. But God declares, I have given you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and you will do them. We're free. That's going to be really, if you will, a wonderful truth that we're going to go over several times in Romans. That you're free. That the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Why is this so important right now that we go over this? Not only because it's Pentecost, but because the night is getting closer. And as the night gets closer, the activities of darkness intensify. Now again, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but this is for us to understand truth. The truth is, is that God has declared these things to be true. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, Hebrews 13, 20-21 says, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. No, that was not a skip on a record. You guys don't even know what a record is. Never mind. Now, you still in Ephesians? Now turn to chapter 5. Look at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectedly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, seeking and making melody in your heart, or excuse me, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That word dissipation, it means one who easily slides under the fatal influence of flatterers and temptations with which he has surrendered him, or surrounded himself into spending freely on his own lusts and appetites. Well, God is saying that, if you will, and this is so important for today, is saying you are filling yourself with the things of the flesh you're drinking yourself drunk with the flesh 
In fact, that word drunk, if you will, it was used by, I believe it was Socrates, and it meant soaked. You are basically soaking yourself in the flesh that you can't have any room for His Spirit. Tozer once said that you can have as much of the Spirit as the Spirit has of you. And another time he, he said basically, there's so many people that desire to be filled with God's Spirit, but the problem is, as they filled their picture with themselves, there's no room for Him. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think that describes us. Such a busyness of this world. There's so many things to distract us. There's so many things that can give us pleasure. And not all of them are bad, but the thing is, is we continue to fill ourselves with those things. See, alcohol is a numbing factor, and we all understand that. I mean, you've heard it many a times, people drink so they can forget themselves, forget their troubles, give them courage in certain situations to act really out of character for themselves. But they think they're looking good, they're feeling good, they're talking good, and they don't know they're flurring the words or anything like that. But see, we always think of it as just being alcohol. But if you will, we fill ourselves with these numbing things in our lives. We all do. How we escape. And we can indulge in these things until we're, we're drunk with the flesh. And then we say, Lord, where are you? Lord, I need you. Lord, I desire you. If you will, the Lord looks at us and says, I've given everything. Will you just accept it? Will you receive it? Will you stop grieving me? Because when you indulge in the flesh, you grieve my spirit. When you go to the comfort things that you live for on this earth, then you leave me out of my ministry. Comfort. Strengthen. Guide. To empower. To live. See, God's Spirit desires to live through us. Not for our purposes and not for our pleasure. Not for us to speak in tongues. So believe me, I pray that each one of you speaks in tongues, as Paul would say. But that's not the factor. And that's not the proof. The proof of the Spirit-filled life is a person that lives in submission to God's Spirit. Allowing God to have His way. To, again, manifest His Son through you and me. That's what it's about. So that we could also be lights to this dying world. To be filled with His love, His joy, His peace, His patience, His kindness, His faithfulness, His gentleness, His self-control. To live in holiness unto Him, separated. And then you we speak of these things and we all understand something. We found the one that holds us back. It's not the one with pitchforks. It's not even the world. Oh, 
these things can be used, but we find that it's me. It's you. But here's the wonderful news. What I love about being a believer in Jesus Christ. Today's a new day. Today, today. Every morning's a new day. Uh, every morning's a new, okay, what are you going to do? You can hear the Lord say, okay, what are you going to do? How are you going to live your life today? Are you still trying to find some reason for purpose on your on this earth? There's somebody that I, I went to a lot of uh, graduation parties. And it was funny because I will tell you this story because I thought it was hilarious. We went to the last one and, and my my meter for being in public was up here. I was done. And I was asking this question to this person and really it came out like this. I said, okay, slow down. <laughs> And the person looked at me, yeah, please slow down. I think the person thought I was having a stroke, but I wasn't. I was just done talking. I was just done. And I have no reason why I brought that up, but it was an important point that I wanted to bring home to something, and I know what you all know what I mean. I have no idea where I went with that. Boy, was that an embarrassing story, too. The only reason I brought it up because I thought it was going to help. Anyway, let's go on. Point is, is that each of us have the capability and the capacity to receive all that God has for us. And really, it comes down to just how much do we want Jesus said, if you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, you say, is that already done? It is. But if you notice in Ephesians, it says, be filled. It means daily being filled. That means moment by moment being filled by His Spirit. Now, I don't know where you are. I know where I am. But where are you? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from truly just submitting unto the Lord, yielding yourselves to Him and saying, Lord, here am I. No, no, it's not about what you think that you can and can't do. It's not even about what you think your abilities are and aren't. It doesn't matter of any of that stuff because I have found that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. It's not about anything that you bring to Him because He already knows what He gave you physically, emotionally, intellectually. But see, there's something that He wants to do in using you in your past history. Now I remember what I was going to say. Came back. And one of these graduation parties, a person told me that they were struggling with their past. And the person left. And I wouldn't have said this to him anyway because I don't have that relationship with him. But see, so many of us, we think the answers are in our past. Hear me. I deal with this too. The answer is not in your past. It's not the why or who or what. 
It's in your future. That's your answer. Your answer is in Him, being with Him, and then you turning around after the fact and the Lord saying, now look. And you're going to see everything God used to bring you to what? The future. Home. That's what it's all about, gang. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying anything that you've gone through in your life. We've all gone through some bad stuff. Everybody has. Some worse than others. I am not trying to compare. But I have learned something. Your torment is maybe unique in the sense that you feel that torment. But I guarantee you the person next to you has their own torment. See, we're all broken here. But God, in His glorious wisdom and love, said to each of us, Come, and I'll heal you. Come, and I'll make you whole. Come, and I will forgive you of all your sins. Come, and let's work this out together. And again, it's not so based on your work, but it's allowing that work that He wants to do in and through each of us. So where do we go from here? Well, I think we already started it, honestly. But I'm going to ask the worship group to come up here again and just lead us in worship. I don't know where you are. God does. Speak to Him. Talk to Him. Sing to Him. Ask of Him. Believe in Him. Yield yourself to Him. Let Him use you. He's a wonderful God. Pray for His Spirit to be upon you. In fact, if you will, Father, I just pray in this time, in this moment, Lord, You know where each of us is. We just pray, Lord, that You would help us to be naked and bare before You. Not that You don't already see, but help us to understand that nakedness. But help each of us also understand the love that You have for each of us. Showing that love demonstrating at the cross but also expounding on it by your spirit that now indwells each of us we pray that your spirit would have dominion in this place we pray that your spirit would have dominion in our hearts we ask this in Jesus name Amen